we've seen the production of coffee decline by about 60% on average across all of the 650 growers we source coffee from and much of it is because of unseasonal rainfall unpredictable rainfall too much rain at times when there should not be so much rain and too little rain when it really should be raining dr arshia bose is the founder of black bazaar coffee a social and conservation enterprise based out of Bangalore. They work across the Western Ghats, Eastern Ghats, and in the Northeast, with smallholder coffee growers, many of whom are from indigenous communities. According to the RBI Handbook of Statistics, in 2020, India produced 3% of the world's coffee, and the industry employed around 2 million people. Most of the coffee grown in India is for export, although there is a growing domestic market. For decades, there have been worldwide initiatives to improve coffee farming because of how intensively it's cultivated. It's grown in monoculture plantations with high fertilizer and pesticide use. Coffee production is often criticized for its exploitative practices, especially by large coffee corporations. And this is especially true in India, where production is split between large plantation holdings that are owned by big companies and many small farmers who own much smaller acreages. Arshia says Black Bazaar Coffee was set up with the idea of creating a more participatory process for coffee farming and for more secure and stable livelihoods. I guess even the coffee growers I was speaking to were not really thinking about climate change as much. So we started, you know, with, I guess, two goals. One was a sort of livelihood and social well-being goal for smallholder growers. And the other was this enriching biodiversity in coffee landscapes goal. Climate change wasn't really an explicit area of thought at all. As Arshia says, while livelihoods and biodiversity were the goals when she started the company, climate change quickly became a focus area because unpredictable climate conditions deeply impact the growers of coffee, even affecting their harvest calendars. What's interesting is that over the course of five years, in some sense, we've been pushed to think about climate change as being a core part of the business and the work that we do simply because it has in the past five years completely kind of thrown coffee production out of sync. So, for example, when I started my work a decade ago, Arabicas were harvested around January. This year, we're thinking that by September or October, that the Arabica harvest might kind of begin. And as per our data and the growers we work with, people are going to be incurring approximately a loss of about 30,000 each farmer whose annual income is not more than about 60, 65,000 rupees a year, right? So we're really speaking of really marginal growers who are on top of that now going to have significantly less income from coffee this year than they've ever had before. Black Baza explored whether it was possible to create a coffee brand that placed value on people and nature, respected coffee growers' dignity of labor, and helped them build resilience to climate risks. I think the kind of common misconception that people have is that if you're a business buying raw material or you know produce from a farmer, that it's not a collaboration, but that it's a transaction or 
that it's you know an act of procurement but it's completely a collaboration if we look at kind of it in this larger picture welcome to second nature a new look at india's climate future a podcast series on the possibilities of nature based solutions in india this series is produced by the india climate collaborative and edelgib foundation alliance in this six part series we speak to practitioners experts leaders from the private sector and funders to learn how nature based solutions can play a role in the goals that lie ahead of us climate action community resilience resource security and biodiversity conservation and we ask the important question what kind of collaboration and investment do we need to scale these solutions in this episode dr arshia bose and dr praveer deshmukh talk to us about building a business around biodiversity episode 5 the business of biodiversity black bazaar coffee was started in 2016 and is one of the few fair trade certified brands in india the fair trade certification is a little bit different because it was designed for smallholder farmers only and the purpose of that being that small farmers who might face additional risk from exploitation who are vulnerable in that market um, now may have certain safeguards however arshia tells us that while global certifications allow producers to charge more they have to meet certain standards in the way in which they run the business and this can be challenging when working with a range of small producers fundamentally this is a top down process and to get all the farmer producers on board it requires a lot of groundwork from training to putting in place processes in the value chain to management and institution building within the farmer producer model so they require farmers to be somewhat experienced with running cooperatives having farmer producer organizations the governance of all of this which in the coffee experience in india doesn't exist so i guess my kind of concern with the fair trade certification is that many of those farmers who do need that safeguard are still kind of falling outside that system of certification it hasn't really been socially transformational again at present it's just meant that the kind of bookkeeping governance accountability they're all important things but I think it requires certain amount of experience to be able to do that and requires capacity building and hand holding for farmer organizations to be able to kind of undertake those processes. At the beginning of the venture Arshia expected its primary focus to be on sourcing the raw material and developing a sound marketing strategy for the business. But as they worked with the farmer producers their understanding of what was needed to make the business viable started to change. they realized they needed to engage far more deeply to gauge the specificities of the land and its natural processes so in our you know five regions that we may source coffee from because we're working so involved in one region there's these kinds of learnings around what's what's eating a pest what kind of birds are really important for coffee how is coffee being pollinated coffee has a famous pest the berry borer beetle it's known world over for boring into coffee fruits and destroying it severely impacting coffee production given black bazaar's commitment to biodiversity this was something they had to deal with differently a nature based solution might be to really look closely at what 
species is eating this beetle are birds eating it is a wasp eating it are other beetles eating it and how might we recreate an ecosystem where all of the predators for these kinds of pests thrive as well right but this process of engagement isn't just about understanding the local ecology it is also what has driven their approach to scale because scalability depends on partnerships and collaboration as arshia points out so we also work in different landscapes and we work to different degrees of involvement in different landscapes so in some areas where we know growers well where there's a kind of context that's conducive to a lot of on ground work we might be involved in other places where there is a history of farmer producer organizations for example we source our robusta cherries from an amazing organization called elements trading and the fair trade alliance of kerala and they have a much much longer richer history of running these kinds of institutions of doing it well of really being pioneers in regenerative agriculture in the state and so in those landscapes our partnerships are much more strategic and they are less kind of involved at an everyday level so as we scale we're also kind of figuring out what that level of involvement with each producer is with each farmer producer organization is and so on as well but it can be a rocky road it took time to establish the terms of these engagements and collaborations Black Bazaar's partners include individual growers, self-help groups, farmer producer organizations or FPOs and even private limited companies. Arshia says that India doesn't really have a history of collectives and cooperatives for coffee, so it has been challenging to build an institution of this kind. There are specific criteria that are set by the state for farmer producer organizations, like governance models, accountability and due diligence. and so for example when we try to have conversations like okay we're paying you let's say certain amount for coffee let's say 100 rupees per kilo would you be able to disclose to us up front what you would be paying your member producers is it transparency do you commit to kind of or what is your view on organic agriculture what is your view on the use of pesticides so there was and FPO that farmer producer organization that we wanted to work with and spend a lot of time trying to kind of have that conversation on what would be the nature of engagement between black bazaar coffee and this farmer producer organization and through those conversations it became really apparent that some of the values that we shared like fairness and equity were not shared or understood or perceived in the same way by this farmer producer organization and so there's at least two farmer producer organizations that we parted ways with because they refused to tell us what they were paying their farmers she speaks candidly about their early days and the things they learned so we're bootstrapped and so that means that if we make losses it significantly kind of pinches what our bottom line is and kind of what our financial sustainability is and there was one year that we we procured coffee from a set of growers in karnataka when we started the price difference between you know us and the trader that people would get is about 56% so a significant kind of you know whipping people a fair price in a sense more than a fair price in that way because you know not only were people not getting the market price they were getting less than a market price so that difference is quite significant i think and because we had that difference a lot of people want to give their coffee to us 
One time in 2018, after weighing their procurement, they realized they had ended up overpaying for beans. And it's because people essentially sold us coffee that was laden with moisture and water. And that water had evaporated. And so we paid for 1,000 kilos of water. A close understanding of the challenges facing coffee cultivators makes clear all of the expected and unexpected implications of using a nature-based lens in business, such as the deep connection between the economic and the ecological health of the region and its residents. Because we've realized that what drives insecurity in that system is the fact that people borrow money from traders at an interest that's as high as 60% that people didn't know of. They were borrowing money, not knowing how that interest was calculated from other coffee traders in the landscape who were kind of, at the end, we realized they were paying a 60% interest on that amount every year. It's imperative now for us to really say, okay, the fact that people don't have access to finance is an environmental and ecological risk as well. Ashia noticed that in the absence of finance that can help farmers make the transition to more natural methods of production, they may resort to using chemical inputs, which are provided through subsidies. They may remove native species and undertake other actions to optimize their production, all of which comes at a cost to the local ecology. And again, I don't think that would have come had we looked at just scaling the coffee piece, right? So we've gone into it with coffee, but we're coming out of it with other things. Scalability, she says, also doesn't have to be in the same supply chain, but also in other allied sectors that can support the venture. Black Bazaar is considering expanding its services to provide microfinance. So for now, we're thinking our kind of next sort of, I guess, extension is actually not in coffee, but possibly in something like microfinance. Asha tells us that her six years in this business has taught her to look beyond the standard market-driven enterprise model to find a deeper connection with the places and people involved. And that finding ways to make them all work together can be extremely challenging, but also very rewarding. And also that it requires, I think, patience and empathy to kind of deal with these kind of phenomenon on an everyday basis, right? So it's been a bit of a balancing act. Those have been sort of my biggest learnings, I think. Thinking differently about problems is integral to finding nature-based solutions. Dr. Praveer Deshmukh is a senior counselor at the Confederation of Indian Industries, CII, which helps companies become more conscious of biodiversity. He tells us about DCM Shriram, a sugar manufacturing company based in Delhi that was facing significant challenges with pest management. DCM Shriram is a partner of the India Business and Biodiversity Initiative, or IBBI, that Praveer has worked to set up. Members of the IBBI are dedicated to conserving biodiversity as part of their business model. Similar to Arshia's approach with the berry borer beetles, DCM Shriram resolved to bring back sugarcane-friendly birds that ate the pests by encouraging the farmers to alter the times they spray pesticides to avoid the birds' natural feeding times. And what happens after, within a one year, when we again revisited that the same locations, the bird, which is agriculture-friendly bird, number has increased. The farmers themselves are saying because of the changing in the pesticide spraying and other things, 
now they have to use some of the agriculture friendly insects are able to manage other diseases on the crop the ibbi was established in 2014 and is a platform of 45 committed private corporations it is hosted by the confederation of indian industries cii and conceptualized by the ministry of environment forests and climate change so under this project i am supporting businesses for developing the tools the disclosure frameworks and again whatever the support they required for managing this biodiversity part into integration so in the last almost 8 years we have developed lots of toolkits guidance documents uh, case studies and uh, some of the technical support to the industry the ibbi has an additional 12 stakeholder members such as wwf india bombay natural history society national environment engineering research institute and the national biodiversity authority together they offer research and knowledge support to the members to help them integrate biodiversity into their core businesses biodiversity indicators help companies focus on preventing managing and remediating the damage to natural habitats that can result from their activities the ibbi supports companies through frameworks and matrix toolkits that hone in on the ecosystem services they rely on the most Based on this they can then identify the critical risk areas in which the company is operating and then help build an action plan toolkit to manage them. In addition they have put together a biodiversity index that measures biodiversity in an industrial area. So I think we know for biodiversity there are lots of scientific indexes but how to measure biodiversity in a industrial area or what should be the contribution of industry in the biodiversity? so we have developed a 25 indicators index for industry and this is again totally developed in consultation with the members of ibbi and we also given them a rating that in each every indicator if they perform beyond the legal requirement then they will get a four mark if they are just meeting the requirement then they only get the minimum or mid mark this index offers a language to communicate biodiversity goals within the industry On a total of 100 the companies often find themselves scoring between 50 to 70 and the index encourages them to improve their score by investing in biodiversity friendly actions Here's an example we work with six spice companies in Kerala area a similar perspective what we did with them is again we identified which are the native species of the western ghat and also created more awareness about the cobras and some reptiles so that how they are also important for the rodent control or some invasive species control and and again they have communicated that same thing to the farmers uh, and again some of the companies do install the poles for the owls in the farmer premises of the farming land areas for their farmers and farmers also reported after installing this uh, post and all these things some of this rodent which is again very common in their area rats and other things which actually damaging the crop Uh, their number has substantially reduced the ibbi has in parallel worked on developing a framework disclosure document that allows companies to disclose their methods for biodiversity conservation pravish has another example this one's from the automotive industry well, when we had an interaction with mahindra auto we asked them that uh, can you give us a data that for building a one mahindra scorpio how much wood is required 5 years before and now how much wood is required for in 2020 or 2022 so they said that uh, they have given a lots of action uh, they replaced the wood packaging with uh, recyclable packaging or circular packaging 
And within five or 10 years, they are able to reduce the wood requirement per vehicle. It is now only one kg from 10 kg to one kg. Mahindra was able to disclose to the IBBI how they were able to improve their production and lower their dependency on wood by switching to more sustainable packaging and make a vast improvement over a period of five years. So it's definitely a cost saving for Mahindra, but it is also less pressure on the nature for wood production. Disclosures encourage best practices in the industry, and Prabir says he's seeing a transformation in the way companies value biodiversity. With the IBBI's work, he says that companies are starting to see the value in a platform that showcases disclosure and expert research guidance on integrating biodiversity-friendly business practices into the value chain. And increasingly, investors and rating agencies like the Task Force on Nature-Related Financial Disclosures or Carbon Disclosure Project also require companies to have committed to biodiversity restoration. And then when they are looking at a biodiversity commitment, they definitely see the IBBI is there, lots of companies are there, and they also get a high rating in the CDP or any other disclosure framework or rating framework. So then they are more tend to it because, again, the, definitely the investors are looking at this type of disclosures rating framework to give the rating to the companies. Then they see what is the value it can create. IBBI creates a collaborative space for industries and other stakeholders to exchange learnings, methods, and resources. Praveet tells us about Dabar, which is a member company, and it was facing issues of transportation and expansion of medicinal plant harvesting across landscapes. And they did a joint assessment that which type of medicinal plant can be cultivated within the gaps of these two solar panels, which will definitely yield some income and again, the local community can plant, manage it. The company will support them for the providing land and water and all those things. Through IBBI, Dabar was able to collaborate with a solar company in Hyderabad, where weather and soil conditions are more suited for certain medicinal plants. And Dabar agreed to plant some medicinal crops like lemongrass on their land area. We're also building that type of collaborations where multiple companies are coming forward. One company with access to the local community is, uh, who will provide us the land. And then these companies are actually going, creating awareness that how to plant, how to maintain, how to extract them very sustainably so that, again, the land can be restored. Again, again, the companies can get also beneficiated. And also the local communities are also getting some financial income out of it. So I think that uh, one of the part definitely has got success as a part of IBBI members. When based on trust, these partnerships with local communities also award corporations with local knowledge on nature-based actions. If the companies are able to go forward, discuss with their local community, uh, they will definitely provide much better nature-based solutions, which is again suitable for them, also for adaptation, and then definitely it will enhance their income, uh, also to resilience to the nature or any related impacts of the nature loss. One assumption that most funders make, whether it's not-for-profit funding or the kind of impact investing space, is that the value of work or the value of an initiative is measured only on quantitative sort of scale, right? The breadth of impact. A commitment to turning nature-based means engaging in a range of relationships with partners and stakeholders. It can mean forging new corporate partnerships, like the IBBI, or working with organizations across the supply chain, like Black Bazaar. And this collaboration comes from the people, the business, the state, and the science. 
through learning of each other's needs and challenges and then solving for a common goal. But this work is incremental and it may need us to recognize that when businesses choose a nature-based approach, it will look different. The pathway to growth and success may be longer and a little bit more winding, but it's transformational in the long run. In our next episode, we talk to funders to find out what they think the future holds for nature-based solutions in India. Thanks to Dr. Arshia Bose and Dr. Praveed Deshmukh. This podcast is produced by the India Climate Collaborative, Edelgiv Foundation Alliance. For more information on the India Climate Collaborative and its work on nature-based solutions, or to read a copy of the report, please visit indiaclimatecollaborative.org. You can also follow the ICC on LinkedIn at India Climate Collaborative.